I want to take a look at two questions that Christ answered in Matthew chapter 25. In verse 31, we read, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came into me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Notice what the Lord said they did. And notice their response by, like, they were almost surprised. When did we do these things? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you and the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When you reach out and help people, when you minister to people, in whatever way you're talking about, it's just like that you're doing it to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord then turned to those on the left hand, the goats, and he said unto them, I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw the stranger or naked or sick or in prison, minister unto thee. They were right the opposite. The Lord said, you didn't do it. And they said, well, when didn't we do it? As if they were keeping a record, so to speak. And what they did, they were very pleased about. They wouldn't be sure that there was a mission here. But the sheep, on the other hand, did these things and did it because they just felt it was the thing to do, the right thing to do. They had a divine nature in them that led them to do these things. Now, Christ is our great example. And in Matthew 20, 28, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I came not in the world to be ministered to, but to minister. And he gave my life a ransom for all. Christ came to minister and Christ came to give. That's what a true disciple is. A true Christian is a giving person and a ministering person. And they don't do it for recognition. They don't do it for a pat on the back. They don't do it to be commended. Nothing wrong with being encouraged. That's for sure. But that's not the motive. Now the Lord said unto them on the left hand, if you've done it not the least of these my brethren, you've not done it unto me. So as Christ is our perfect example of how to live the Christian life, expressed also over here in Acts 10, 38, when Peter said that God had anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power, and said that he delivered those who were oppressed of the devil and went about doing good, and God was with him. Now I said before, these five words about Christ kind of sum up his life. And he went about doing good. That's five words. Now, if I want to follow the footsteps of Christ, I need to try to do the same thing, to go about doing good and to minister unto others and to give. Now, 
I don't need to be the kind of person that's sitting around and thinking, when's somebody going to come do something for me? You know, um, that's not what Christ did. Now, there were those who ministered to Christ, and I want to look at that. Uh, but that's not why he came. He didn't come to minister to. He came to minister. He was proactive in doing that, you see. So what did people do in that day to the Lord Jesus Christ that even we, I feel like, can do today? Well, you know, when Christ was born, there were some wise men that came, and they followed a star. And they followed a star to where the Lord Jesus Christ was at. And when they came, they brought some things to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, it goes without speaking that gold is the most valuable metal known to man, something very expensive, something very, very precious. And they were willing to separate themselves from it. They were willing to part with this to give it to this child. And they brought the, the frankincense and the myrrh. As I stated this morning, they were among the very chief spices. And, you know, Joseph and Mary and, and the Lord Jesus Christ was going to have to leave Bethlehem shortly because of Herod's threat to slay all the children. And God directed them to the land of Egypt. And that fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. How were they going to pay for the trip? Mary and Joseph were poor people. I know that because later on when they came to Jerusalem and made an offering, they brought turtle doves and pigeons, which was a poor man's offering. They were not wealthy people. It cost to travel that day like it costs to travel today. So how are they going to be financed for this trip? Well, I believe it was with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh that the wise men brought and, and gave unto them. Here was something they could do. They ministered to the Lord Jesus Christ as a young child. The word young child is used, I think, about eight times, seemed like if I remember correctly, in this chapter. He's not the babe laying in the manger here. He's a young child. So this is what they could do. In the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we find some women. And the women that they, there's under consideration here was Susanna, uh, Hosanna, and uh, Mary Magdalene, whom the Lord had cast out seven devils. And it says, they ministered unto the Lord of their substance. Now, Jesus and his apostles went around preaching the gospel, went teaching his word, and they went around performing miracles, etc. There's no record where he and the apostles labored, uh, you know, at an occupation while they were going around doing all of this. And there's no record where Jesus just miraculously provided food for them. Now, he provided food for the 5,000 men besides the women and the children. And uh, another occasion, he did a miracle on behalf of the great multitude of 4,000. Uh, but that was for other people. But you find here where these women ministered unto him of their substance. Whatever that substance was, they took out of that substance they had and ministered unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something that they did unto him. They loved him. He had blessed them. You can imagine Mary Magdalene, perhaps. Seven devils had been in her, and Jesus Christ cast them out. And she loved him for it. And of course, we know her life is revealed to us in other passages in the New Testament. Uh, here's something that they did. In the 10th chapter of Luke, you find where Mary and Martha received him into her house. They are going to give Christ something. They're going to give him hospitality. And you know, you think about that. Uh, I believe we can do the same today. 
We, we can either receive the Lord into our house or we can basically shut him out. So the question is, uh, is the Lord welcome in our house? Will we feel comfortable with the Lord coming and paying us a visit? I'll just put it that way. I think it make a lot of people very uncomfortable if they found out, you know, in a couple of hours, the Lord just let us know he's coming by to see us for a while. I imagine they'd get kind of busy. I imagine they'd kind of <laughs> get things uh, looking a little better in order, one thing and another. Um, so we find where they received him into their house. And Martha, of course, is the story where Martha is coming about with much serving and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus when he's there. And that's really not what I want to get into this afternoon. I just want us to look at here. Here is something they can do. Here is something they could do to minister to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. They used what resources they had. They received him into their home. And we find where Martha did the cooking and Mary did the listening <laughs> and the discussion about all that. But nevertheless, here's something they could do. They were given the hospitality concerning the one that they loved, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 24, we find after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that he's walking the road to Emmaus. And there's two disciples that he joins himself up with. And they're discussing him and they're discussing the events of the day. And eventually the Lord joins in the conversation. And they ask the Lord to question, art thou a stranger in these parts? Now the Lord is the one that they're talking about. The Lord is the subject matter of these two disciples. And he's standing right beside them. It's, it's quite interesting to me. But they don't realize who he is. Their eyes are holding. And they ask him, is he a stranger? They're, I think they're amazed that he didn't seem like he knew very much of what was going on. And they're saying this to the man who knows everything that's going on. But eventually... You know, Christ tells them, O fools and slow of heart, ought not Christ to have suffered and entered into his glory? Now, the prophets had spoken about this. They spoke about the Messiah that would come, the Messiah would suffer. He'd be like a root out of dry ground. He'd be despised and rejected of men. He'd be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He would suffer, but eventually he would enter into his glory, which he did when he was ascended back into heaven. Now, it was toward the evening and Christ made like he was going on. And the Bible says they constrained him to come into their house. They wanted him to stay. And so he did. I'm of the persuasion, had they not constrained him, he'd have continued on his journey. But they constrained him. And we need to be constraining the Lord to be with us in our home. We need to constrain the Lord to be with us in the house of God. We need to constrain the Lord to be here. Every time we meet, we need to constrain him by our prayers and our desire to meet with him in his house. And I believe when we do, he'll make himself known. I believe he was here in his house today meeting with us and hopefully here this afternoon. But the same thing applies to our homes. And so what did they do unto him? They invited him in their home like Martha and Mary did. They received him in. And the Bible says he took the bread that was there. They were going to share a meal and he blessed it and break it. Now, the Lord kind of takes over, it seems like to me, once he's there. And of course, he's going to vanish out of their sight. And that's when they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us along the way? I used to kind of think about it burning within them uh, while he was there with them, which I'm sure it probably did. But they said, while we talked with him, by the way, their hearts burned because he was revealing himself out of the Old Testament scriptures. And then they invite him into the house. They constrain him. They persuaded him 
that they wanted him to be with them. And the Lord obliged them, and he spent some time with them, then he, and he left. Here's something they can do, and they did it, right? They displayed great hospitality for the Lord Jesus Christ, like Martha and Mary did. Just like those sisters ministered unto him of their substance. Now, there come a time when the Lord, you to Luke 22, and you find where the Lord uh, desired to eat the Passover supper with his disciples. But the Lord's going to need something to do that. He's going to need the provisions, of course, that was necessary for the Passover supper. But he would need a place, and the Lord didn't have a place. You go look at the last verse of John 7 and the first verse of John 8. And you'll find on that occasion, we was in John 7 this morning, that every man went away into his house. But verse 1 of chapter 8, the next verse says, but Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus went into the garden. Jesus didn't have a place to call home, so to speak. They did, he did not. Jesus needs a place to eat the Passover supper. So what does he tell his disciples? He tells them to go into the city to such a place. And you'll find a man bearing a pitcher of water. And you to follow this man. The Lord knows where there's a house. He said, you follow this man bearing the pitcher of water. And you'll come to the house. And you'll say to the good man of the house, the master hath needed thee. And this house that you're going to follow this man bearing the pitcher of water to is going to have a large upper chamber. The Lord knew all about this house. I, I, I don't know if the Lord ever been in this house. But he didn't have to be in the house to know everything about the house, right? He didn't have to be in the house. So he goes into the house, or rather he knows about the house. He tells the disciples, follow the man to the house and tell the good man of the house that he has need of the house. He says, for the master is going to eat the Passover supper here. And so it was given to him. This is something they did. They gave it to the Lord, and they had the Passover supper there. When the Lord was going to fulfill the scriptures of riding into Jerusalem upon an ass, the colt and the fold of an ass, he didn't have one. He didn't have one. So what's he going to do? He tells his disciples to go into the village. When they go into the village, he says, you'll find a colt tied there, and, says, and you unloose him and bring him here. And if somebody saying to thee, what doest thou? You say, the Lord hath need of him. And it came to pass just as likely like the Lord said. The disciples were not disappointed when they went into the city and, and, and found the man bearing a pitcher of water, just like the Lord said. They didn't get there and start looking around and say, well, I don't wonder where, where he's at. I believe soon they walked into the city. They ran right into him. The Lord knew that man to be there that day, knew where he was going to be, told the disciples to go there. They'd find him, and they found him and followed him to the house with the large upper chamber. They found the ass, the colt, the fold, and asked exactly where the Lord said. And sure enough, there was somebody on that occasion who said, What doest thou? They said, Well, the Lord hath need of him. And they loosed him, and they didn't hinder him, and they took him and brought him there. And the Lord Jesus Christ got upon this animal that where never man had sat once again and rode him very comfortably without any incident right into the city of Jerusalem. These are people that love the Lord and displayed their love for him in various and in different ways. Here's a man who gives up the house. Here's a man that lets him have the ass, the coat, the fold of an ass. Here's Mary and Martha receiving him into their house. Here's the women 
who are ministering him of their substance. Here's those two there again in Luke chapter 24. And they have walked along the road with him. And now they constrain him to come into their house. And he comes in and there's a blessing for him to be there. You remember when he come along the way there for Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is certainly an interesting character, isn't he? Uh, Zacchaeus was a rich publican. He's one of those tax collectors. He wasn't very, he wasn't very popular. He wasn't very well liked. But he heard Jesus coming by that day with Jericho, and he ran down the street, and he climbed up a sycamore tree. He was a man small as statue. And he climbed up the sycamore tree to see, get a better view of the Lord Jesus Christ when he come along. And when he did, and the Lord just stopped at the base of that tree, I've just tried to put my place in the place of Zacchaeus on a number of occasions. You know, all he wanted to do was get a view of Jesus. But he got far more than that. The Lord stopped and called his name. Now, Zacchaeus, I doubt very seriously Zacchaeus had ever gotten acquainted with the Lord, but the Lord knew everything about Zacchaeus. And he called his name and said to come down, for today I'm thus abide, what? At thy house. And so Zacchaeus came down and ran ahead and house was open for the Lord Jesus Christ, for him to come and spend time there with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was so, so excited about all this and so blessed, I'll say, that he even said, if I receive, you know, anything unjust or whatever, I'll repay whoever it was fourfold. And the Lord spoke about how salvation came to that man's house that day. That man experienced a deliverance. These people in Matthew chapter 25 didn't do these things in order to have eternal life. They did it because they had eternal life. They had it because there was a nature on the inside of them uh, that just told them to have compassion, to reach out, to help, to minister uh, when they had opportunity. That's why we read in Galatians 6, 9, therefore, as, if you, as you have therefore opportunity, you know, do good unto all men. The Lord went about doing good. Every day the Lord lived, he went about doing good. The Lord never wasted any time. The Lord never had idle time. The Lord made great use of his time. I don't believe the Lord ever ended a day thinking, well, uh, I, I'll have to get an early start tomorrow because I got behind today. I'll have to add today what I didn't get done yesterday. I don't think that ever happened to the Lord. I think the Lord done every single thing he purposed to do every single day that he lived here. The Lord got started on time. He was punctual. He met everybody he was going to meet that day. Did everything he was going to do that day. He didn't come to minister to. He came to minister and to give his life a ransom for all. If we are true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd do the same. Notice when we show compassion to somebody, when we help somebody, and we got the right motive involved in doing that, the right spirit within us, it's just like if we do it to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Do it to himself. I think about Mary that's found in John chapter 12. You know, in Luke chapter 10, we have Mary and Martha receiving Christ into their house and displaying hospitality to the Savior. In John chapter 12, we find a similar situation, but there's more people there. I've counted them. There's about 17 people uh, involved there in John chapter 12. And Mary is not murmuring now. Mary is not complaining. She's not troubled on this occasion. But what do we find Mary doing? Mary is anointing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's got a precious box of alabaster, alabaster box rather, of precious ointment 
of which she breaks, and she is going to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it seemed like it disturbed some of the disciples, especially Judas Iscariot. They said, why was this not, uh, you know, sold for X amount of money and given to the poor? But the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked them. And he says, this woman hath done what she could. He says, the poor you have with you always. But Christ was not going to be with them always. And this woman did what she could. Can you imagine the love associated with this act? Because that was about a year's wages that she had invested into that alabaster box of precious ointment. About a year's wages. And she spent it all right there on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned this morning about Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't come up short. When Nicodemus came there with that uh, Mary and alloys, a mixture of that, about a hundred pound weight, that was far greater than what was necessary for what was under consideration. But again, to make sure that you don't come up short, just be sure you go beyond measure, go beyond the line. Some people just want to, you know, reach the, the line, the standards, you might say, and that's it. <laughs> go beyond that. Go beyond that. Uh, you know, people that work public work, I always uh, I, I did that uh, three years way back between 1970 and 1973, and I thought it was important. I was supposed to be working at 8. I didn't want to get there at 8.01. I wanted to get there at least, you know, in there and everything prior to 8, say 7.50, 7.55. I didn't get paid for that, but I knew, uh, uh, you know, I hadn't cheated them for sure. And he got off at 4. I didn't want to leave at 3.55. You know, I'd want to stay to at least 4.05. So when I left there, I knew I gave them the 8 hours plus. I didn't want to come up short. Down in Lithia, Florida, there was a little post office there. And they closed at 4.30. Supposed to close at 4.30. And occasionally I'd want to mail something and it'd be running tight. And I, it was only about two minutes to the post office. And I get there, and it was 4.27, and the door was locked. <laughs> now, if it was 4.31, and it was locked, that's just on me. But it's 4.27, <laughs> that's on them. <laughs> you know, they made sure they weren't going to stay there past 4.30. That's for sure. So they closed at 4.27. So I, I figured out, if I'm going to get there, I better be there about 4.20, 4.25 at the latest, or, or it's going to be locked. Now, she took about a year's worth of ointment in this alabaster box, and she broke it, and she anointed the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ told those disciples, those that murmured about it, this woman has done what she could. She's anointed my body for the burying. Now, she did it while he was living. Now, Nicodemus and them, not to take away from anything that they did, they did it after he was dead. But, you know, if you have the opportunity, I think it's better to give flowers to people when they're alive and they can see them, they can smell them, they can appreciate them, rather than waiting after they've passed away. Of course, it helps the family, but it don't help the deceased. <laughs> well, Mary's going to make sure she anointed the body of our Lord for burying while he was still living. Those on the right hand of the Lord Jesus Christ said, when did we do these things? I mean, when did we do these things? The Lord said, if you don't win at least of my brethren... You have done it unto me. Now, we're not living in a time when Christ is walking in our midst literally and physically. 2,000 years ago, that might have been the case. 2,000 years ago, the Lord was on this earth. He lived for 33 and a half years. He intermingled. He interacted. Uh, he 
He touched people. He sat down and ate with people. Uh, he was involved with people. And here are the things that people did to him while he was here on this earth. They opened their home and made it a place of hospitality. They ministered unto him of their substance. They gave him of what they had. The wise men gave the gold and the myrrh and the frankincense. And the women, again, the things of their substance. And the woman, the alabaster box of, of ointment. They gave what they could. And, and then in Luke chapter 7, here's a woman who didn't give anything physically, but she gave him something, my friends, that you could put no value. She gave him her love. She came behind the Lord Jesus Christ and she wept. And she wept so greatly. There was enough tears there to wash the feet of Jesus Christ. You know, when Christ washed the feet of his disciples, the disciples never did wash his feet. He washed theirs. Because the reason he washed theirs would be no reason for them to wash his. Because his feet wasn't dirty. And I'm not talking about they could have been dusty, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, the feet of the disciples, he washed their, their feet. These were, were sinners. And they, they were defiled. But Jesus wasn't defiled and Jesus wasn't a sinner. So they didn't wash his feet. But you find Mary anointing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with the ointment. And you find where this woman here that was a sinner, washing the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with tears that flowed from her eyes. You ever thought about how many tears it might have required for that? We, Lord willing, when we have foot washing next Sunday after the communion, there's got to be enough water in the pan to put the foot in the pan and be able to cover the foot up and wash the foot appropriately. This woman cried and she wept so much that the very quantity of tears that she wept was sufficient to wash the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And far as the record is concerned, she never said a word. Never said a word. And the Pharisee said within himself, I mentioned that Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 this morning, and it says he prayed within himself. He prayed within himself. This Pharisee said within himself. If this man was who he said he was, he wouldn't allow this because this, he wouldn't allow this woman to touch him because she's a sinner. wonder what that Pharisee had done if the woman had come and started doing that to him. Why, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. But the Lord did. And I'm going to go through the whole story and get down to the bottom of it. After he gave the Pharisee the lesson about who loved him the most, he proved she loved him more than he did. See, this is a story, this is a picture of love. This woman is loving him the very best she knows how to do. She never says a word. The old saying, actions speak louder than words, this is a classic example of it right here. And the Lord said unto her, Thy sins which be many, thy sins which be, be many, and Jesus knew what they were and how many they were, more than that Pharisee did. Thy sins which be many are forgiven thee. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I don't read in there where she asked for forgiveness. I don't read where she asked for it. But I believe her behavior, her actions displayed how she felt about herself and that she had repented of those sins. Whatever the sins were, that she repented from them. And she come there to love the Lord Jesus Christ and she washed his feet with the tears of her eyes and she took the very hair of her head and wiped the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said, when I was hungry, you fed me. 
When I was thirsty, he gave me something to drink. When I was sick, he visited me. When I was in prison, he came to me, etc. And they said, when did we do these things? The Lord said, if you've done it in one of the least of my little ones, or in this case, my brethren, the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. I believe we can do the very same things today that they did in that day, maybe a little bit in a different way. But we can certainly give the Lord our love. We can give the Lord uh, honor and praise. We can give the Lord, you know, uh, of our substance, which we should do every Lord's day as we come here. We should lay aside as God has prospered us and blessed us and honor the Lord with our substance, just like they did, so that we do it in a different way. We can do the very same things, and we do it because we want to do it. We do it because we love to do it. We do it because it's just the right thing to do.